podcast that talks about all things creepy, weird, spooky, and more in the state of Wisconsin. Um, One of the things that I think is very interesting about true crime is when you get the opportunity to cover a case as it unfolds, um, when you are a podcaster or writer or what have you. And I wanted to take time today to talk about um, a fairly well-known kidnapping that recently occurred here in Wisconsin and is uh, actually reaching the trial stage. And I'll talk about all the details and get you all caught up if you haven't heard about what's going on. Um, Since this case is going to start going to trial potentially in February, this will be, um, you know, I would imagine a longer Minnesota series, um, and we'll just see where it takes us. Some of the episodes might be really short, some of them may be fairly long. Um, this one will probably be a longer one, just because of uh, getting everyone up to speed on the kidnapping of Jamie Kloss and her recovery. Um, at the center of this case are two uh, uh, locations in Wisconsin. The first is Barron, Wisconsin, which is located in the northwest of the state. Um, it's a city. So there's a town of Barron, and surrounding that town is the city of Barron, and is located in Barron County. This happens so much in Wisconsin, specifically. It's wild. Uh, Let's be more imaginative with names. I don't know. Anyway, um, there's an estimated 3,300 people in the area, and it's actually closer to Lake Superior, one of the Great Lakes, than it is to Madison. In fact, it's roughly 220 miles or about three and a half hours away by car from Madison versus being about an hour and 45 minutes in slightly different directions from both Minneapolis or Lake Superior. Gordon, Wisconsin, the other city that is uh, really being focused on in this case, is up in Douglas County. This is, at least in my eyes, the most northwestern county in the state of Wisconsin. Um, In 2000, there were only 645 people living there permanently, and that really hasn't changed um, 19 years later, which is weird. Anyway, Um, As is par for the course for Wisconsin, there are a lot of cabins where people um, come up and stay throughout the year, used for hunting, used for snow sports, used to be close to the lake, because it is only about 35 miles south of Lake Superior. Um, To give you another idea of how remote and how full of kind of snow sport type people this is, um, there are signs that remind motorists to share the pavement with ATVs, be mindful of snowmobiles, etc. So it's really kind of up there um, and and a very active space. The two uh, cities are about an hour's drive apart on US 53. And um, as I said, they've both been at the center of a kidnapping that made national attention. Now, um, It did start earlier than this date, 
but this is the main starting date. It's October 15th. Um, James Kloss, who's 56, and his wife Denise, 46, were at home with their daughter Jamie, who is 13. Um, Jamie was asleep, and James and Denise were likely asleep or getting close to it, um, as this was, you know, just after midnight on technically the 15th. Um, the, the silence of the night in their sleepy area at such a late time or early time in the morning, depending on how you look at it, was not going to last much longer. Uh, a 911 call early Monday morning featured people screaming and yelling for help in the background, but there was no response to the dispatcher's requests. The dispatchers called trying the phone back several times without success. Um, They got the voicemail on Denise's cell phone and tried to call the landline listed for them, but it was disconnected. All 911 calls are supposed to be investigated, especially when there's no direct response and there's screams for help. So they sent um, some squad cars out, sirens blazing. After arriving at the Kloss home around 1 a.m., Authorities reported one male down and multiple rounds spent before discovering Denise's body, um, likely near the bathroom. By 3.57 a.m., Jamie Kloss was entered as a missing juvenile. The FBI immediately got involved with the case. Law enforcement agencies all over the country were told to look out for a 5-foot, 100-pound teenage girl with green eyes and strawberry blonde hair. Many tips were called in, including one the next day from Miami, Florida, that, you know, didn't go anywhere. The next two weeks were spent conducting searches of the area near the class home, as they didn't think that she would have been taken very far. After her disappearance, police collected more than 3,500 tips, but no hard leads emerged. On October 30th, James and Denise Kloss's joint funeral was held at St. Peter's Catholic Church in Cameron, which is just a few minutes from their home. It's um, just down the road from Barron. Unfortunately, earlier that same day, a Wisconsin man was arrested for allegedly burglarizing their home. Kyle Jankianis, that's a Wisconsin name, uh, 32, was spotted Saturday just before 2.30 a.m. on motion-activated surveillance cameras set up around the property and um, entering the home through a patio door. He admitted to taking items from the home, and a search found that among things he stuffed in his coat pocket were two tank tops, a girl's dress, and two pairs of Jamie's underwear. Uh, He told deputies that he just took the items because he was, quote, curious about the size Jamie was, unquote, and he figured no one was going to miss these things. He also said he didn't know the family. He did work at the same Jetty O turkey plant that James and and Denise worked at. Um, He was charged with burglary, but cleared of any involvement in the murder and kidnapping. I think it's safe to say he's a fucking creeper, though. Who breaks in and steals girls' underwear? Like, just think about it. Most uh, 
well, many, I would say, serial killers, kidnappers, uh, started with peeping Tom stuff and breaking in and stealing underwear. So I hope they keep a close eye on that motherfucker. If you've been following the case, you'll know that the next big break came just last week on January 10th. Uh, 21-year-old Jake Thomas Patterson confessed to killing James and Denise Kloss shortly after detectives began interviewing him on the 10th. He told them he targeted Jamie randomly after seeing her one day get on a school bus. He told investigators that he was working at the nearby Saputo Cheese Factory, which he worked there for two days before quitting. On his drive to the Cheese Factory on one of the two mornings he worked there, Um, he'd stopped behind a school bus on Highway 8 and watched Jamie get on the bus. He told investigators he had no idea who she was or who lived at the house, but when he saw her, he knew she was the girl he was going to take. He meticulously planned the abduction. He went to the home twice before actually committing the kidnapping Um, you know, he went ready to do it, but said that he was unable to kidnap her because there were too many people around. He took steps to steal license plates from another vehicle to put on his to avoid being detected. He also removed, um, inside trunks that are relatively modern. There is an anti-kidnapping release cord. And, um... He, he went to the steps to remove that so that once he put Jamie in the trunk, as we'll find out later on, she couldn't get herself out. On the night of the killings and the abduction, Patterson says he took his father's 12-gauge Mossberg pump shotgun. His research had showed the shotgun was really common and would probably be difficult to trace. He also shaved his face and his head so he wouldn't leave hair behind. He said that he was, quote, determined he was going to take Jamie that night and was going to kill anyone in the house because he could not leave any eyewitnesses behind, unquote. He was also prepared for a shootout with the police if he had been stopped. I'm not sure if that just means mentally prepared or if he maybe had more arms on him that would be better for, I don't know, a shootout. I've been playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption and shotguns are are okay, but I feel like pistols are better for a shootout. I don't know. I don't know why I'm saying this. I'm just nervous, and this case makes me anxious. Anyway, <laughs> um, Jamie told police that she was asleep in her room when the family dog started barking. She looked and saw there was a car in the driveway and woke up her parents. Her father, James, went to the door and saw Patterson there with a gun. Jamie says that she and her mother hid in the bathroom, holding one another in the bathtub with the shower curtain pulled shut. Um, They heard a gunshot while they were hiding and knew that James had been killed. Denise starts to call 911 as Patterson breaks down the bathroom door. He was dressed in black, wearing a face mask and gloves, and carrying the shotgun. He told Denise to hang up the phone and ordered her to tape Jamie's mouth shut. 
He told detectives that Denise struggled with the tape, so he wrapped the tape himself around Jamie's mouth and head, then taped her hands behind her back and her ankles together before pulling her out of the bathtub. He then shot Denise in the head right in front of her. He dragged Jamie outside, nearly slipping and blood pooled on the floor from murdering James. He threw Jamie in the trunk and drove off, pausing to yield to the three squad cars speeding towards the house with flashing lights. The entire attack took about four minutes. Uh, Patterson then took Jamie to a cabin he said was his. He told police he ordered a weeping Jamie to strip and then dress in his sister's pajamas, saying he had to get rid of the evidence. Uh, He took her clothes and threw it in a fireplace in the basement of this cabin. He kept her in a space under his bed. Um, To make her stay there, he would barricade it with plastic totes and laundry bins filled with barbell weights. And she was stuck under there for up to 12 hours a day. Though I can't imagine being out of there would be much better at this point. Um, He believes that she tried to escape at least twice. One of those times was uh, making banging noises so loud that it um, alerted some of the other people in the household before he made some excuse about it. He threatened her uh, and scared her, he says, into not escaping. We'll see how well that worked out for him. When his father visited, uh, Patterson would turn up the radio in the bedroom to cover any noise that she might make. Jamie told investigators that she was able to escape on January 10th when Patterson told her he would be leaving for five or six hours. After he left, she was able to push the bins and weights away from the bed and crawl out. She then put on a pair of his shoes walked out of the house, and ran into a woman who helped rescue her. Um, Jean Nutter is a social worker, and she was out walking her dog um, when Jamie approached her. She immediately took Jamie to a nearby home, making sure it was not the Patterson home, and phoned police. They actually approached um, a neighbor, teacher Kristen Kasinskis, And she had been just arriving home from work and absolutely knew it was Jamie right away, brought them into the house. Um, She and Jean got her, got Jamie calm and um, phoned police saying, you know, we've got Jamie. She's here. You have to come. She's safe. Uh, She was positively found then in the town of Gordon at 4.43 p.m. Within a span of less than 20 minutes, police converged on the Patterson cabin where they came upon Patterson in his car who was out looking for Jamie. Police say Patterson got out of the car and said, yeah, I did it. Patterson told detectives he thought he'd gotten away with the killings because he hadn't been caught in the first two weeks. He also said he would never have been caught if he had planned everything perfectly. Which also just feels like a Scooby-Doo episode. I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for that damn kid I kidnapped. A shotgun, consistent with the type of gun used to kill Jamie's parents, was recovered. They haven't officially run it through the 
um, state crime lab system yet, but, you know, when the bill... When the ballistics come back and it checks out, they'll be able to definitively say it was the same weapon. Uh, Patterson was actually officially charged Monday, yesterday, with two counts of first-degree intentional homicide and the deaths of James and Denise Kloss. He also faces one charge of kidnapping and one charge of burglary with a dangerous weapon. Each first-degree intentional homicide charge carries a life sentence with it. Uh, The kidnapping charge carries 40 years in prison, and armed burglary is 15 years. His bail was set at $5 million, and he will appear in court again for his preliminary hearing on February 6th at 11 a.m. His defense attorneys, um, state assistant public defenders Charles Glynn and Richard Jones, said they believe he can get a fair trial, but they're not sure where, and they might have to seek a change of venue which is something I um, was thinking about the other day with how publicized this has been. It may be quite difficult for them to figure out a space to try him where they believe he can get a fair trial. Um, My guess is they might just bring him down either to Madison or to Milwaukee and try him in one of those two cities. Otherwise, they may have to do something out of state And I'm not sure what the likelihood of that is, Um, especially like this was so close to Minnesota that I don't think, you know, a Minneapolis court would be a a good idea, but something like Chicago could potentially be a good idea, but they're so backlogged and they have negative funding all the time anyway. So I don't know what the likelihood of that is, Um, but it's something to think about. One thing that's interesting to me is Patterson has no criminal history. Um, He was born in 1997. He graduated from Northwood High School in nearby Monong, Wisconsin in 2015. Uh, Monong, actually, from what I was reading, um, it's a single building that houses everything from kindergarten through high school because there's just a very small um, population he was a member of the school's quiz bowl team. Uh, his parents divorced in 2007. He has an older sister and an older brother, Eric. Eric is the one person in the family that has a criminal record, which includes bail jumping, marijuana possession, and a no-contest plea to a 2013 fourth-degree sexual assault charge. Um, he was sentenced to a year probation, served that... Um, All of that said about Eric, though, they believe that Jake acted alone. Details of Jamie's captivity for the three months she was kidnapped have not been released, and um, the Barron County Sheriff, Chris Fitzgerald, hasn't said whether Jamie was sexually assaulted. I think it's quite possible... um, If you're going to kidnap a young girl and hold her for three months, I mean, uh, where's the other drive for that? Where's the motive for that if you're not going to engage in sexual assault? I don't know. Um, 
It's important to note, though, that Patterson's attorneys have been lauded for taking high-profile cases that have an emphasis on sexually violent people. So it's quite possible um, that those details will come out as the proceedings get underway. Jake wrote in his high school yearbook that he planned to join the Marines after graduation. Um, Military records show he only lasted for about five weeks, which isn't even the full course of basic training. And he was prematurely discharged in October 2015 at the rank of private because, again, he hadn't even finished basic training. Um, Naturally, the news is full of interviews with people saying things like, he was just so quiet. Which, like, look, I get it, but also, please don't extrapolate that and think all of us who are quiet in social settings are going to kidnap people or kill people. Um, I think he was just, it seems like, um, you know, they tried to talk to some of the teachers he had in high school and stuff, and it seems like he was really forgettable. Um, which I think is more important than just quiet. The few neighbors who know Patterson's family say he grew up in a cabin in a remote development that's a mix of seasonal and year-round homes, about 10 miles outside Gordon proper. So that's, uh, I think that's where this cabin is that they're talking about that Jamie was kept in. Um, As I say, his high school teachers barely remember the now 21-year-old man, even though he only graduated a few years ago, and they didn't realize he lived in the same area still. Um, As I said, his parents had divorced. One of their neighbors told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that the parents had moved away, but that Jake and his brother Eric continued to stay at the cabin. They often got in trouble stole things and um may have potentially spent time in foster care of course that's according to the neighbor um but i'm you know that hasn't necessarily been fully verified he worked for one day in 2016 at the genio turkey plant in Barron, uh where james and denise worked before he quit saying he was moving out of the area. Um, Between that and only having worked at that cheese factory for two days, nobody actually knows what he's been doing to make money since then. Um, He he told, uh, you know, the detectives that he was unemployed, so I have no idea what he's doing to get money. Um, One could speculate that He'd been going back to stealing things, potentially, or that Eric had. I don't know. Um, he apparently has no online presence, like no Facebook, nothing like that. Um, the teacher who lived nearby, who helped rescue Jamie, told the Star Tribune she didn't even realize that Patterson was her neighbor. So I think that's an interesting juxtaposition to the other neighbor who, you know, so that they got in trouble a lot. Photos of the cabin um, were shared across, uh, you know, a, a couple of news sites. And 
They show like an unfinished ceiling. There's a three-car garage. Um, there's an empty box of adult female diapers in the trash. A sign over the front door reads Patterson's Retreat. Ownership of the remote cabin was passed to a credit union soon after Jamie's abduction. Uh, records actually show that Jake Patterson's father transferred the title of the cabin to Superior Choice Credit Union on October 23rd. We're not sure why. Um, he could... There could be a number of things. Um, and I'm sure that will come out as time goes on. After being recovered, Jamie was checked into a Duluth, Minnesota hospital. So that was about an hour away from Gordon. Um, she spent the night there, was being evaluated and um, was taken back to her hometown of Barron on Friday after meeting with an aunt, and then um, later that evening was reunited with other relatives, including her grandfather, who has been so vocal about trying to get her back. I mean, her aunts have as well, but he really has, um, and described the moment when they saw each other, um, and, and they both just gave each other a really big hug, and that really gives me the the happy chills is that a thing um there have been a number of you know other kidnapping survivors that have spoken out about her recovery about the fact that she needs time and you know she'll know that things won't go back to the way it was including elizabeth smart um whose case really hit me hard as a kid um, she was kidnapped in 2002 from her Salt Lake City home and was held captive for nine months. And um, her entire family's Mormon. My entire family's Mormon. I'm not. Um, but that was a really big shock, I think, to the Mormon community. Like this cute little white girl getting abducted from her home. Um, and she's written a lot publicly about how um the way that we view and teach sexual health stuff to young people is awful um and I will especially say like within the Mormon church growing up there were a lot of things like oh like you don't want to have sex with someone before you're married because then you're like a chewed piece of gum and no one wants to chew a chewed piece of gum and for people like Elizabeth Smart, who have gone through horrible sexual trauma, um, that kind of stuff is really even extra demeaning. Because <laughs> um, it's not like you chose to engage in those actions. Even if you did, you're not a chewed piece of gum. You're a human being. Um, and anyway, my, my sex educator side really likes Elizabeth Smart. Um and the work that she's done to try to combat a lot of that bullshit. If you're looking for ways to support Jamie and her family, um, I've got a link in the show notes to the official GoFundMe that you can donate to. You can keep up with her journey at facebook.com slash Jamie Kloss, and her name is spelled slightly different, so it's facebook.com slash J-A-Y-M-E c-l-o-s-s and don't worry it's a public page it's not like her private facebook um 
it was initially the page to try to find her and now it's turned into kind of a uh, follow her journey as she heals and let's you know help her and help the family you can also if you want to please don't be a fucking creeper but you could send her a note um at light the way home for jamie Kloss, p.o box 539 rice lake wisconsin 54868 I'll be covering the breaking news um, on this case as time goes on, so expect, you know, short episodes every so often in between the normal ones. I do want to say um, that this case is great, and I'm glad that she's back, but she's gotten a lot of press because, one, she was uh, a pretty white girl, and two because of the circumstances of of her kidnapping and disappearance. Um, There are currently over 50 missing children from Wisconsin who aren't lucky enough to be in similar situations. And um, I really hope that you will take a minute to look at the links in the show notes because I do have a link to some of the missing children's Um, information, their photos, and I'd really like to see more people have a happy ending like Jamie will have. Um, I mean, you know, happy is obviously relative (laughs) in this case. Um, Her parents are dead. She'll never get them back. She'll have to work really hard to get over that trauma of watching her mother be killed, seeing her father's dead body, whatever happened to her in the last three months. But um, these other kids deserve to be found too. And they deserve justice. And they deserve peace. And so do their families. And just because they may not be white or just because the, the circumstances of their disappearances may be different, doesn't make it any less important to find them. So please take time uh, to, to read those. In the meantime, uh, at the end of this week, you'll see a new episode about the Hodag of Rhinelander. And um, I'm hoping to actually get that recorded today as soon as I get this up. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, the, the regular episodes will be every two weeks. These ones will happen every so often as there are updates. And um, eventually I'm hoping to do some kind of Wisconsin-related movie reviews, which will be fun. Um, yeah, so I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, Minnesota, and um, Make sure to check out sites like the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, the Wisconsin State Journal, um, and channel3000.com if you are looking for more updates about Jamie's, um, you know, abduction and recovery. Um, And I'll also really work on sharing those things on social media. So if you're not already following the Facebook page and Twitter page, you may want to do that. Um, 
in the meantime, have a great couple days until I talk to you again. You just listened to the Spooky Scotty podcast. It's produced every two weeks by me, Kirsten Schultz. The intro outro music is from Purple Plant. You can find show notes and more over at spookyscani.podbean.com, including a transcript in case you missed anything. Take a minute and rate and subscribe if you can. You'll help more people see the show by rating, and you won't miss a single episode if you subscribe. And that's pretty dope. You can support the show over at patreon.com slash podcast, and you can email me anything you'd like me to know at spookyscanipodcast at gmail.com. In the meantime, sleep tight and don't let the badgers bite.